Are you a wrestling fan? Take your love of wrestling to the ring and add the Late Night Wrestling Pod with host Brandon Sir to your podcast playlist covering professional wrestling from the past, present, and future from legends like Ric Flair and Rowdy Roddy Piper to the latest WWE superstars. They're all covered on this must-listen-to podcast. A new episode drops every Thursday night at 11.05 p.m. The Late Night Wrestling Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and wherever you get your podcast. Add the Late Night Wrestling Pod to your podcast playlist right now. Imagine that. Just imagine it. How Brandon Sir, the host of the Late Night Wrestling Pod, has taken over the Gut Wrench Podcast tonight. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Well, it's very simple. When there is too much of a certain product out there, it saturates the market. And it greatly devalues a magnificent podcast like the Late Night Wrestling Pod. No, tonight there's not going to be any mocha or cocoa or whatever he wants to call himself. No, tonight you get a prime slice of the Late Night Wrestling Pod taking over this minimal amateur podcast. Yes, tonight the Gutter Wrench Podcast is hosted by yours truly, Brandon Sir. And no, I'm not here to collaborate with Coco or anything like that. I am here tonight to take over and give you listeners the opportunity, the the chance to listen to a actual wrestling podcast. No, I'm not going to tell you long-winded stories about my sorry childhood. I'm going to tell you about wrestling. Wrestling the way it was meant to be. And no, I'm not going to go over my love obsession of Alexa Bliss or anything like that. Tonight, we're going to talk about wrestling. And tonight, I declare war on all these amateur wrestling podcasts. Now, you may say, Brandon, you stole Coco's login. You took over his podcast. Isn't that criminal? And no, I don't think so. I don't think anything I'm doing here is wrong. If anything, this show should be a tax write-off. I'm giving to charity. All you deprived listeners out there that listen to this and think this is quality content, tonight you get something you know that you probably don't deserve because you listen to this podcast and not the Late Night Wrestling Pod. No. Tonight, you get to be there for the first strike of the wrestling podcast wars. And I have officially declared war on the Gut Wrench podcast. The true soldier doesn't fight because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. My theory on momentum is that the best way to produce it is through small, hard-fought victories that lead to bigger battles and bigger wins. Winning builds momentum. And tonight I'm picking a battle big enough to to matter, but also small enough to win. I see myself as a fighter, a gladiator. I have always fought my own battles. 
and I am prepared to fight and finish this war. But war is the most magnificent competition in which a human being can indulge. This war will bring out what is best in all of us. And victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. And that's going to be me, Coco. And this is your warning shot. This is your opportunity. This is a chance for you to make the right decision for you and your podcast listeners. Just bend the knee and admit that the Late Night Wrestling Pod is a superior podcast and walk away with some dignity. This is your final warning. So enough of talking about Coco, the boy who never was. Tonight we are going to go over WWE Extreme Rules 2016. And I picked this because I went through the Gut Wrench podcast notes and I saw this was coming up. So I wanted to have some continuity with what's going on in the world of the Gut Wrench podcast. And hopefully merge that world with the Late Night Wrestling Pod. New episodes every Thursday at 11.05, I have to say. But tonight, it's about Extreme Rules. And let me just say, this pay-per-view was a lot of things. And I don't know if the rules were necessarily extreme. But the show was mostly extremely awful just like the gut wrench podcast usually is all right so let's go ahead and jump into it our commentators tonight are michael cole byron saxton and jbl and this matchup is a tornado tag the usos versus gallo gallows and anderson also known as the good brothers uh, they start fighting on the outside. They're fighting in the aisles. And I hated this version of the Usos. They had the tribal paint. They came out and did the silly little like chant at the beginning of it. And Michael Cole makes a comment about fans booing the Usos for their association with Roman Reigns. And at this time, Roman Reigns was just being shoved down the fans' throats. And they hated it. Uh, Jay Uso uh, dives to the outside on the Good Brothers. Uh, Michael Cole references how Gallows and Anderson, the Good Brothers, are three-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. They almost opened the Forbidden Door be- years before AEW ever even came into existence. Um, Carl Anderson throws Jimmy Uso into one of Gallows' big boots. Anderson, uh, Anderson does a spine buster to Jimmy Uso for a two count. Jay uh, ca- catches Anderson with a super kick for a two count. Gallows hits a epic clothesline. And I mean that um, Jay Uso went, went flying after this clothesline. Like he did a complete like flip in the air. It was nuts. I'm a big uh, Good Brothers fans fan. So... Back to it, um, the Usos do way too many super kicks in this match. It was uh, it made me think of the Young Bucks. There was just too much of it, and it really like kind of 
I mean, wh- why am I supposed to like ever think the super kick can be a finishing move if the Usos can throw 20 of them and it gets a two count? Gallows and Anderson finally hit the magic killer and we get a three count. And your winners, Anderson and Gallows, the good brothers. And to keep up with the Gut Wrench podcast, I've noticed that Coco does a star system. One through five stars. So for now, I'll keep up with that. So I'm going to give this matchup two stars. It was, wasn't anything great. It wasn't extreme. There was no weapons. There was some fighting on the outside. <clears throat> but that was it. So our next matchup is for the WWE United States Championship. Rusev with Lana versus Kalisto, the United States Champion. Lana introduces Russo, and she's got her corny Russian accent thing. And I know she's actually grew up in Russia, but it's just a very, very silly gimmick. Um, And I think it's funny we have a Bulgarian fighting a Mexican for the United States Championship. Whatever. Uh, Kalisto uh, was pretty over here. Like, the fans were really getting into him. Rusev is just manhandling uh, him. He's throwing him around. There's dueling chance for Russo or Rusev. And um, this is a classic big man, little man match. Like Rusev is pretty much dominating and Kalisto is just kind of getting in his shots whenever he gets a chance to do it. Um, Rusev uh, um, works Kalisto over with a bear hug and it looks brutal. Like he is tearing like into this guy. Now, Kalisto has a sleeper hold on Rusev and while he's on Rusev's back, and Rusev just throws him down. Uh, Kalisto does a tornado DDT. Kalisto does a hurricanrana that plants Rusev's, Rusev's head into the mat. It looked brutal. Um, Kalisto uh, does an outside hurricanrana into the steps, moonsault to the outside, and Rusev intercepts the top rope maneuver and. Um, Kalisto just lands on the ring apron, looks awful. The doctor checks on him. Rusev drags him back into the ring and does his camel clutch. And he is put, like pulling this poor guy back. Looks awful, but Kalisto has to tap out. Your winner and new United States champion, Rusev. And let me take a second here to uh, answer a question you may have. If you listen to the Late Night Wrestling Pod and listen to the Gut Wrench Podcast, which I highly doubt because the listeners of the Late Night Wrestling Pod are just so much more invested in quality wrestling than this kind of dog and pony show. But if you do, there's a chance you've accidentally stumbled upon this podcast. You know that I like to play clips. I like to play, like, you know, the package leading up to the match or anything funny that one of the commentators say or something like that. And I was going to do that for this, but do the listeners of the Gut Wrench podcast deserve that much work on my behalf? No, they they don't. So if you want to hear clips and you want to hear a quality podcast, listen to the Late Night Wrestling Pod. Available on all major podcast platforms where you'll get the clips, you'll get high quality audio, 
and you'll just get a hell of a podcast. So back to our show. Our next matchup. Oh, and real fast. The Rusev Kalisto match. I'd give it a star and a half, maybe two stars. I'm feeling very generous tonight while I'm in this giving mood. And our next matchup is for the WWE World Tag Team Championship. The New Day, consisting of Big E and Xavier Woods, versus the VOD Villains, which consist of Simon Gotch and Aiden English. Both of these teams look so stupid. Like, look, Simon Gotch, he does a lot of good work, and I even liked Aiden English. But, like, why, what is, this is so silly, like, they come out and they have like a 1920s like orchestra or whatever playing them in. And if their gimmick was to bring wrestling back into the pioneer era, that's cool. I'd get fully behind that. But these guys look stupid. And, and they can both wrestle. But I wonder why. And I also wonder like why is Xavier what's wrestling here? It's usually Big E and Kofi Kingston. Not a huge Xavier Woods fan. I guess he's kind of funny, but like as far as his wrestling, not big on it. Big E does a huge belly-to-belly on Aiden English and Gotch. They go flying. Big E speaks. Um, big E spears English through the ropes, and it looks kind of cool. And uh, Kofi interferes with a kick, and Woods capitalizes with his own kick. And we do a three. We get a three count, and the winner, and still WWE. Tag Team Champions, The New Day. I had to give this uh, half a star. Wasn't great. Didn't care about it. And we go to the backstage where AJ Styles is being interviewed by Renee Young. And uh, she's asking if Anderson and Gallows will get involved tonight. And that's kind of like the theme leading up to the main event, which is Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. And I'll get to that later. The interview wasn't much, but we have a Intercontinental Championship title four-way match with The Miz, who is the defending champion, versus Cesaro, versus Sami Zayn, and versus Kevin Owens. And let me take a second to talk about here where our boy Coco, the usual host of this podcast, doesn't care for Kevin Owens. And I, I don't know why. Is it because he's not a five foot one blonde hundred pound girl oh kevin owens may not be in the best shape as like compared to like cesaro or even the miz but kevin owens is a real butt kicker and he is a great worker and i i dig his style right away Sami Zayn uh does a halua kick to kevin owens and knocks him out of the ring cesaro uh does an uppercut to miz and knocks him out of the ring so we have Sami Zayn and cesaro starting out Cesaro uh, hits a tilt-a-world backbreaker on Zayn, and JBL says, "Ryan, if you were on life support, I would pull the plug and change my and charge my iPhone." Why is everybody just crapping on Byron Saxton all the time? If you were on life support, I'd pull the plug and charge my iPhone. Well, I mean, let's should there be a little more context there? Is JBL like is his battery dying? Is he waiting on an important text or phone call? You know, maybe JBL isn't really the heel here. Uh, Cesaro and Miz um, 
uh, get laid out by Sami Zayn at ringside. And the commentators are talking about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens' friendship again. And in a couple of weeks on my show, the Late Night Wrestling Pod, I do Clash of the Champions, and it's another reoccurring theme. The Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens friendship since their days in NXT has just been nonstop, and these guys' careers are just interluded together. Kevin Owens does a senton on the Sami Zayn. Cesaro powerbomb uh, and does a double suplex. To, does a powerbomb super double suplex double suplex to Miz and Sami Zayn in the corner. Um, Sami Zayn hits the blue thunder bomb on Cesaro. Cesaro is hitting uh, his combos and I can't even describe like what it's called. Just know Cesaro is doing a lot of cool stuff here, I guess. Cesaro uppercuts everyone in the corner, does his whole thing. Kevin Owens then does the cannonball roll on the everybody in the corner. Miz hits a skull-crushing finale on Cesaro for a two-count. Then Cesaro uh, does the big swing to the Miz for a 20-second count and then puts on the sharpshooter. And I always wondered, like, when Cesaro is doing that big swing, doesn't that make him dizzy too? Like, like doesn't that also affect him? Cesaro, um, or Miz tries to uh, tap out, but uh, Maurice is distracting the referee. Uh, Owens does a pop-up powerbomb on Cesaro, but Miz breaks up the count. Sami Zayn does a hula kick to Cesaro, but is broken up by Kevin Owens. And then the Miz rolls in and uh, pins Cesaro for the 1-2-3. Your winner and still Intercontinental Champion, the Miz. And I give this match, I guess, two stars. Um, My problem with it is... Okay, so it's a four-way match, which means it's going to already be congested and everything like that. But, like, right away, they find an excuse to knock two guys out, like, so they're at ringside just laying there so two other people can wrestle. There wasn't a lot of opportunity here to show, like, four guys going at once. It was usually two guys were laid out, and they just came back into the match to break up a pinfall, and then it was their turn. It was just um, a very sloppy match, but it was, you know, I'm I like Miz, I like Kevin Owens, I liked everybody in the match, I should say, but wasn't the four ways are just kind of like silly, and I like if it would have been a better four way if it was an elimination match. I don't like the whole having to break up pinfalls, but that's a, a fight for another time, I guess, and. Our next matchup tonight, Dean Ambrose versus Chris Jericho in an Asylum match. And I was excited about this. When I saw this on, um, I looked up the card before I reviewed this. I was like, oh, this should be pretty cool. And let me just explain to you what this is. This is pretty much a cage match where there's no escapes with weapons on top of the cage that the uh, wrestlers are going for. And... It being in a cage and having weapons did not work in his favor, but we're about to find that out. So, the um, there's no escaping the cage. It is just, there's weapons on top of it. And some of these weapons are, I should say. 
a straitjacket, a two by four covered in fake barbed wire, a plant, a mop, and a uh, um, a Singapore cane. And Jericho is wearing jeans and wrestling boots. That looks kind of weird. Um, Jericho immediately calls for the door and is trying to escape through it, even though there's no escape in this match. Jericho tries to climb the cage, but Ambrose stops him. Ambrose throws Jericho into the cage a few times, all the stuff that you'd expect in a cage match. Uh, Ambrose grabs a mop and pokes Jericho in the ear with it. It's kind of silly. Ambrose puts the a mop in Jericho's face, and it's a clean mop. It's a new mop. But the commentators are playing it up like it's a dirty-ass mop that just cleaned up a bathroom or something. And uh, Jericho does a missile drop kick for a two count. Both of the, both guys climb up to the cage. Ambrose grabs nunchucks. I didn't realize those were there. And uh, Jericho, Jericho grabs a barbed wire 2x4. And we get a standoff. Ambrose uh, whips and beats Jericho with the nunchucks. And then Jericho tries to uh, escape. Uh, Ambrose climbs up to stop him. And they both fall down. Jericho gets a cane and starts hitting Ambrose with it till he falls down. Jericho gets the strap and Ambrose uh, and slaps Ambrose with it. And then Ambrose gets a fire extinguisher, sprays it in Jericho's eyes. And uh, actually, no, Ambrose grabs the fire extinguisher. Then Jer Jericho grabs it from him, sprays him in the eyes and uh, puts the straight jacket on Dean Ambrose. Jericho, it, uh, like, Jericho is having a hard time doing this. Um, eventually, Ambrose gets it off, and Ambrose does a lariat, DD, or a lariat clothesline for a two count. We get a We Want Violence chant because this match is just silly. Uh, Ambrose climbs to the top of the cage, uh, then elbows Jericho's face. It actually looked pretty cool. Um, Ambrose uh, grabs the mop bucket, and it has a black bag in it. And he opens it up and dumps thumbtacks all over the ring. And Jericho um, locks in the walls of Jericho at one point. Ambrose, Ambrose breaks out of it by grabbing a kendo stick and smacking Jericho with it. Jericho grabs the fire extinguisher, sprays um, Ambrose, does a code breaker. We get a two count. Then Jericho, with the fake barbed wire bat, um, hits Ambrose in the face. Uh, Jericho attempts a code breaker, but is dumped into the thumbtacks. And this part actually looked very painful. Uh, Ambrose hits the Dirty Deeds DDT. One, two, three. Winner, Dean Ambrose. And Jericho has got thumbtacks all up his back, all up his arms, and in his hands, and is bleeding everywhere. And I expected so much more out of this match. Not always a big fan of the death matches or hardcore matches and I'm understanding that we're in WWE here and we're not going to see anything nuts but the barbed wire was clearly fake uh, when the more and more weapons got into the ring it really limited their room to move around and work and the only spot here that was kind of like a oh my god moment was the thumbtacks and they looked brutal but this match was silly at best and I give it one star. Not a big fan of it. These guys would have much better work going on in AEW in the future. 
But for this, this was not great. And this was Dean Ambrose at his silliest. And um, at one point when he's using the mob, JBL makes a comment like, somewhere Perry Saturn is smiling because he had that stupid mob gimmick. But, okay, whatever. Our next matchup is a submission match where Ric Flair and Bret Hart are banned from ringside. It is for the women's championship. It is Charlotte Flair versus Natalia Neinhart for the women's championship. And so let me just start off by saying first, like for a technical match, this was very good, but the submission match concept is kind of boring. You know, it, like it's like, unlike the the exception to this rule <clears throat> would be Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. But this was a lot of arm locks and leg locks and everything like that. And so this match went for about 20 minutes. And at one point, um, Natalia has got Charlotte Flair in the sharpshooter. And before Charlotte can tap, we hear Ric Flair's music, and we see a silhouette of what looks like Ric Flair, and it is actually Dana Brooke dressed as Ric Flair, wearing the robe, the Ric Flair boots, and a Ric Flair wig. Charlotte capitalizes on that and does the figure eight, and Natalia is forced to tap out near winner and still women's champion, Charlotte Flair. Woo! And I, as far as this match, I'd, I'd give it two and a half stars. Uh, it was, the wrestling was good. Both these ladies can really work. And I think this would have been a much better just singles match. Or, I don't know, if they wanted, if they felt like they had to because it was extreme rules. They could have had a, you know, a no disqualification match or an extreme rules match or whatever. But, just to be just a submission match wasn't great as far as the concept. The wrestling was really good, though. And our main event for the evening for the WWE Championship, the reigning and defending champion Roman Reigns versus the phenomenal AJ Styles. And some of the lead-up to this match was, is, is AJ Styles going to have the Good Brothers interfere on his behalf in potentially screw over Roman Reigns. He says no, he's not going to do it. And then um, the Usos start interfering on Roman Reigns' behalf. An interesting fact here, the commentators are already referring to the Usos-Roman Reigns um, faction or combination as the bloodline. They repeatedly, like Roman Reigns repeatedly says, the bloodline is stronger than any club. And it's kind of the genesis to where we're at today. And I'm like watching this show. I'm so grateful that what, what we got today is better than what was going on in 2016 in the WWE. Still not the worst period for WWE. I think their worst period was like 2010, 2011, whenever they had the, Guest Raw general managers. I thought that was awful. There's a few fun ones, but for the most part, the celebrity guest had no idea where they were. But let's go ahead and get started in this. Um, 
This is a no disqualification extreme rules match for me to uh, put things in perspective. So Roman Reigns comes out and he's getting a ton of booze. Roman Reigns gets a you can't wrestle chant. And every offensive move that AJ Styles does gets a yes pop. Um, they fight to the outside and AJ Styles is clearing off the French commentator table. And then they fight into the crowd. Roman throws AJ onto the pre-show table, like where Booker T and Jerry the King Lawler and whoever go out and talk about like what's going on for the night and make their predictions. It's a glass table, and when Roman Reigns throws them on it, like it doesn't break, it doesn't do anything like that. I'm sure it's way more painful than it breaking, but it would have been a really cool effect to of seeing that table shatter. Um. <clears throat> The crowd, like this crowd just hates Roman Reigns. Uh, they finally get back to the ringside area and Roman Reigns is clearing off the Spanish announce table. And AJ Styles is, uh, tries to go for a, uh, um, um, sorry. AJ Styles is trying to go for his, uh, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble thinking of a Styles clash, but Roman Re on the outside. But Roman Reigns counters it and sends AJ Styles flying in the air with a uh, back body drop through the Spanish announced commentator's table. And we get a second for everybody to rest. And Roman Reigns looks spent. He looks like he's like got his ass kicked. And I am digging this match so far and really enjoying it. So after all the cobwebs are clear and everything like that, uh, the um I should say right after the spot where Roman Reigns back body drops AJ Styles into the comment the Spanish announce table or whatever, the fans are all chanting, You still suck. These people hate this version of Roman Reigns. And it's kind of like the uh how people turned on John Cena when he was being shoved down everybody's throats. It's very similar to that. Everybody wanted to see Roman go heel. And he would tease it for a while, but he wouldn't go heel for about another three or four years. Roman Reigns does a sit-down powerbomb on AJ Styles. He gets a two-count. Roman Reigns then powerbombs AJ Styles through the other commentator table. Uh, AJ Styles does a phenomenal forearm, but it's countered into a Superman punch. It's really cool when AJ Styles goes and jumps on the third rope or whatever. Uh, Roman Reigns just walks up and punches him in the face, and uh, AJ is laid out. Roman Reigns does a leaping spear. like He jumps over the uh, stairs on the outside to AJ Styles. The good brothers come out and start beating up on Roman Reigns, and then the uh, Usos come out and start beating up on AJ Styles. And At this point, I wrote down about how like the Uso-Roman Reigns combination is being referred to as the Bloodline 2016, AJ hits his style clash for a two count. And it's weird seeing AJ Styles do a style clash to such a big guy. It looks kind of awkward, but it was still cool. Um, AJ Styles, uh, after the kick out, puts down a chair and does a style clash on top of the chair. But as the ref's going for the three, the Usos break up the count. And AJ starts hitting everybody in the bloodline with a chair. AJ goes for a phenomenal forearm. But Roman Reigns counters with a spear. 
for the three count, the winner and still WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Roman Reigns. And before this show goes off the air, Seth Rollins makes his return from a, a knee injury where he tore his meniscus, ACL, all kinds of stuff. He's out for like seven or eight months. And pedigrees Roman Reigns. And we go off the air with Seth Rollins standing above Roman Reigns, holding the WWE Championship. And Seth Rollins would win it the next month at Money in the Bank, but lose it immediately to the Money in the Bank winner, Dean Ambrose. But that's a story for another time. I'd have to say uh, I'd give this one four stars. It wasn't a perfect match. It wasn't always pretty, but it was an enjoyable match. had a great time watching it, and it was definitely the match of the night, the best match on the show, hands down. So, with that being said, Extreme Rules 2016. Overall, if I graded the entire show on a star basis of one to five, I would give this one a solid two stars. Nothing special about it. And you think on a show called Extreme Rules that there would be like like more I don't know, extreme like like stipulations. Like the tornado tag that they had in the beginning of the match, I guess was no disqualification, but there wasn't one single weapon used throughout the entire match. The Rusev versus Kalisto match was just a normal match. Nothing going on there. The Fatal 4-Way was a Fatal 4-Way, so it was no disqualification, but no weapons were used in the match. And the women's match was a submission match, which was no DQ, so there was an opportunity for weapons still not used. And then we have the Ambrose-Jericho match, which kind of just try to do a little bit of everything in a very small confined space and ended up being a dud. And finally we had the AJ Styles Roman Reigns match, which really just held everything together. It was the most appropriate match for them to have at that point of that in their storyline. So, for those of you who are familiar with the Late Night Wrestling Pod and just listen to this podcast as, I don't know, kind of a a joke, uh, you know, a comedy, a novelty piece, knows that after the show, I usually do a book review, and I'm sure that's completely foreign for listeners of the Gut Wrench Podcast, because probably a lot of you don't know how to read You know, it's sad, really, that two different podcasts that covers the same thing, that shares the love for professional wrestling, and there's just such a class differential. Like, for example, I would put, you know, you have the Gutter Wrench podcast, which would be like, you know, a Waffle House to a late night wrestling pod. Which would be like a Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. And if you're not from the Cincinnati area and you live in West Virginia, you probably don't know what Jeff Ruby's is. Look it up. It is uh, probably one of the best steaks in the country. Best places to get steak in the country. 
But tonight's book, and I think I covered this on the Late Night Wrestling Pod, I am, you know, with doing my podcast, working a 40-hour, working 40 hours a week, being a father, being a husband, and just living life, it is hard to keep up with. And, you know, saving you listeners of this terrible podcast this week, it's hard to keep up with, you know, everything that... I'm doing, but I would like for to challenge the listeners of the gut wrench podcast to go out and get this book and learn a little bit about wrestling history. And I'm going to do two books tonight, but the, okay. And if you don't have the means to go out and get these books, you probably first need to learn how to read. So I would start with that. Go get you some hooked on phonics. Do what you got to do. Go sit in on a first grade class. But, you know, learn how to read. And then check out the books. The, Nas- the, the History of the National Wrestling Alliance and The Death of the Territories. Both written by T- Tim Hornbaker. And... Learn a little something about what the the spectacle that you say you love. Learn about it. You know, the wrestling world didn't just start in 1985 with WrestleMania. There is a slew of wrestling history that you dumb hillbillies know nothing about. I would highly recommend you get on your peacock and look at some territory wrestling and read these books. It'll be an opportunity also for you to expand your you know vocabulary by learning these new words. But I digress. Check out these two books. Learn something about wrestling. They're both great. They're both very interesting and informative. And learn about the spectacle that you say you love. Understand what brought wrestling into what it was today. And I'd like to make a few recommendations for you guys to uh, check out so you can learn a little something. I would first start by saying that check out the Mid-South Wrestling on the Peacock. I'd start out about 1983, late 83, early 84, and watch the psychology and the sports-based presentation of wrestling the way it was meant to be. Really learn something, and then you can look at the product today and know where it came from and know that, you know, like, that the, just the death matches, the weapons matches, they're not always necessary, and they're usually not necessary. I, I don't think that the the first match of any feud should be it, an Extreme Rules match or a Lights Out match or whatever the heck. You know, just learn about building a storyline and a feud and I would start by watching Bill Watts's Mid-South Wrestling really learn something and then go and check out some Mid-Atlantic 
see some young Ric Flair, watch some of his matches. I'd I would check out uh, the Clash of the Champions or Shy Town Rumble where he wrestles uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Really, a wrestling clinic out there. And after all that, I would go check out some AWA and watch a Nick Bockwinkle promo, watch a Harley Race promo. Those are not written by, you know, freaking comedy writers or anything like that. These are pieces of art that these wrestlers are selling you on coming to their shows on that weekend. Take it a minute to understand that the wrestling shows that you would see in the early 80s are were not the Monday Night Raw, SmackDowns, Dynamites that you would see today. It was all about selling you on tickets to the arena show, the monthly, weekly, whatever it may be. And watch the promos. Understand that it's almost more like an infomercial, really. And it was some great television. And it is a shame that some of those stadium shows, a lot of those stadium shows actually never made it to air. A true travesty. Go out and expand your mind. So, if you're wanting to be a knowledgeable wrestling fan, check out the Late Night Wrestling Pod. New episodes every Thursday at 11.05 p.m. And this upcoming Thursday, we have WWF from Madison Square Garden's December 17th, 1979. And let me just give you a few highlights of that so uh, you understand the significance of it. It is Hulk Hogan's Madison Square Garden debut. And he wrestles Ted DiBiase, DiBiase before he became the Million Dollar Man. Harley Race defends the NWA championship against Dusty Rhodes in the WWF. Bob Backlund defends his WWF championship against Bob Duncan on the show. And Antonio Inoki wrestles. It is a great clinic and gives you an example of what wrestling was like in late 79 shows you where the WWF was because it looks nothing absolutely nothing like it is today and you get to see Pat Patterson defend his Intercontinental Championship and what I thought was really interesting a one man booth Vince McMahon doing commentary all by himself and he's not completely over the top here he's actually very refrained and in some of those boring matches, he sounds like he is very, very bored. And this was before Vince McMahon was the owner of WWF. This is when Vince Senior, Vince Senior, was the owner of the WWF. And while you're at it, look at some of my older episodes of the Late Night Wrestling Pod from September of last year. I do an entire retro month where I cover. A few AWA shows. I do a few WCCW shows. 
and I do some Memphis wrestling. And I compare them, and I compare it to wrestling of today. And you get to see great promos by Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, you get to see the start of the Von Erich Freebird feud. And uh, you get to see a young Jerry the King Lawler uh, in action and doing promos. And if all of that, you're like, who in the heck are those people? All the more reason to go back and check out the September episodes of the Late Night Wrestling Pod. This will be a chance for you to expand your mind and hopefully appreciate the business that we love. But apparently I love more and my listeners love more than you all do. Just saying and just putting it out there. Go check out those episodes. And while I'm at it, you know, hit me up on Twitter at 11LateNightPod or hit me up on Instagram at the Late Night Wrestling Pod, or shoot me an email at LateNightWrestlingPod at gmail.com and always subscribe and give me... Uh, Subscribe to, get five stars to the Late Night Wrestling Pod on Spotify or Apple Podcast, Podcast Freak, Podcast Addict, uh, Amazon Music. It's all there. Go check it out. Get the opportunity to be a Late Night Wrestling Pod listener. And usually at this time, I'm saying, like, I'm signing off, saying goodnight to everybody. They got to work in the morning. But if you're a gut wrench podcast listener, you probably don't have a job, do you? So time means absolutely nothing to you. So this is what I'm going to tell you to do. Get off of this podcast. Go subscribe to the Late Night Wrestling Pod. And check out a couple episodes. And then watch some classic wrestling on the Peacock. Expand your mind. And... Know what good wrestling is. So, it is getting late. Go check out the Late Night Wrestling Pod. The best way to listen to it. And with that, Coco, the war has begun. Bow down. Just give up. You're not going to win. I am the superior podcaster. And you can just concede... Or I can crush you. Whatever you want to do, little buddy. So without that, I will see you all Thursday at the Late Night Wrestling Pod. Peace! Subscribe to the Late Night Wrestling Pod. Give it five stars. Late Night Wrestling Pod every Thursday at 11.05.